Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If you want to contact me with regards to either questions or comments, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we're looking at the second half of chapter 10 through chapter 14 of Numbers in the Old Testament. And Numbers chapter 10 verse 11 starts, And it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of testimony. Now it's time, ladies, if you're like me, we have to get out our maps because the camp is finally moving from Sinai after being there for a year. They are now heading northward toward the promised land. And in verse 2, it says the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran. Chapter 11 starts with the people complaining. And this displeased the Lord and he heard it and his anger was kindled and fire came from the Lord and burnt up some of them and consumed those that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. I don't know if that means the Levites or other people who were complaining. And the people cried out to Moses and again, Moses prayed unto the Lord. Again, Moses is their mediator and the fire was quenched. And Moses called the place Taborah because God's fire burnt among them. Chapter 11 continues with a statement that the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, according to the King James Version, or in other words, coveted the foods or the times in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, it says that there was a mixed multitude that went with the Israelites when they left from Egypt. So chapter 11 continues with the children of Israel complaining again because they're sick of the manna. Remember that word means, what is this? In verse 11 through 15, we see a glimpse about Moses as he prays to the Lord. He says, Why have you afflicted me, your servant, with the burden of these people on me? Have I conceived them? How can I give them meat to eat? Here, God meets Moses' need for help by giving him 70 men as elders to help bear the burden of the people. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and took of the spirit that was on Moses and gave it onto the elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Something to note in the Old Testament, the spirit rested on them. But in the New Testament, Jesus says while he is with his disciples, and this is found in John chapter 14, verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see or know him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This could only happen because of Jesus' death and resurrection. In the Old Testament, God dwells with them and it is present in the tabernacle. But when we confess our sin and ask Jesus to forgive us and enter our lives, his spirit indwells us and he then is always with us. Now, two of the men 
continued to prophesy within the camp, and this brought concern to a couple of young men, and Joshua asked Moses to forbid this, as if it would take away some of Moses' position. And in verse 29, we see that Moses was thankful, and he would have loved it if the Lord would put his spirit on all of the Lord's people. Well, thankfully, that happened in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, and it only took about 1,400 years for this to happen. Remember, Moses had prayed for God to lift his burden, and God did by the delegation of responsibility to others. God brought a wind. This is the same word that divided the Red Sea when they passed through on dry land, and it can also mean breath, as in the breath of God, and it can also mean spirit. This wind brought quail. And verse 33 is interesting. It says that while the flesh of the quail was between their teeth, the wrath of the Lord was kindled, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Verse 34 states that Moses called the place with a special name because they buried the people that lusted or coveted. Not all died, just those that lusted or coveted, which could be a mixture of the mixed multitude as well as the Israelites. So they traveled from Kibroth Hatavah to Hezareth, where they stayed. Then in chapter 12, we see Miriam, who was the initiator, most likely, and Aaron, speak against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman, it says. Now, is this possibly a second wife? Maybe his first wife died and Moses married a second wife. We don't know for sure. There was also jealousy in their intent because the comment is made, doesn't God speak to us too? And the end of verse 2 says, And the Lord heard it. Ladies, what does God hear from our mouths? In verse 3, we get a glimpse of Moses' character and that he was a very humble man. Verse 4 states that quickly God spoke to Moses and Aaron and Miriam. This is the first time we see God speaking directly to Miriam, the prophetess, who is also the sister of Moses. And God said, come to the tabernacle of the congregation. And they came. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they came forth. And God said to them that Moses is more than just a prophet because God speaks mouth to mouth with Moses and Moses is faithful to God's house. And then he asks, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God's anger was kindled. He departed and Miriam became leprous, white as snow. Now, ladies, remember, Miriam was complaining about how Moses had married an Ethiopian woman who had dark skin. And now Miriam has skin white as snow and not in a good way. As Professor Westerholm said, the punishment fits the sin. 
Now, ladies, interracial marriages are a big deal in the Old Testament, but it's not about skin color. It's about the gods in which these people serve. One thing to remember is that in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says that before the throne of the Lamb, there will be people from every people and every tribe and every nation and every tongue, and they will all be clothed with white robes, with palms in their hands, and they will be saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Prejudice of skin color has no place in the Christian's life. Since Aaron was not leprous, it probably shows that Miriam was the instigator in this complaining against the authority of Moses. It may also have to do with the fact that Aaron was the high priest. Aaron cries out to Moses. Moses cries out to the Lord, heal her now, I beseech you. And then the Lord says, If her father were to spit in her face, she would be out of the camp for seven days. So let her at least be out of the camp for seven days for what she has done. So she was. And the people did not journey until Miriam was brought back in again. Ladies, the Lord's desire is to bring us back in even after we have sinned. Chapter 12 ends with the people then left Hazareth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. And chapter 13 starts with the spies exploring Canaan. Twelve men, one leader from each tribe, and they searched the land for 40 days. They came back and they said, it flows with milk and honey, and here is the fruit. And they had these huge grapes and pomegranates. Nevertheless, The people are strong and big and there are giants in the land and the cities are walled and they're great. Verse 30 says, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. The Christian life, by the way, is not easy peasy. There are always things for us to overcome. Chapter 14 starts with the congregation cried out. They wept all night. And then they said, let's make us a captain and let us return to Egypt. You know, ladies, it's hard to live in freedom. And many times we want to crawl back into our old ways of slavery. But that's never good. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jeshuna, who were two of the searchers, the two that said, we can do this. They tore their clothes and spoke to the people and said, the land is good. And if the Lord delights in us, we can take it. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people for the Lord is with us. The congregation took stones in order to stone them to death. And the Lord showed up. His glory appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation. God wanted to smite them with pestilence. But once again, Moses interceded. And he says, but what will the Egyptians say? And then he reminds the Lord of who he is. The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgressions and by no means 
clearing the guilty. Pardon them as you have forgiven from where we left Egypt until now. Over and over and over again, we will see the Israelites' disobedience, and we will see Moses interceding, and we will see God forgiving. So ladies, God was merciful, but there was punishment. These people were not allowed to enter the promised land. Only two, Caleb and Joshua, the two that were faithful, and their families would be able to enter. All of the people 20 years old and upward who were not faithful would have to wander in the wilderness until they all died off. But the descendants, the little ones, 19 and younger, will be able to enter. The rest will die in the wilderness as they wander 40 years, one year for each day that the spies were in the land. The 10 men that gave the evil report did die by plague before the Lord. And the next day, some of the people decided to try and take the land on their own. But the ark and Moses were not with them. They did say that they had sinned. But again, they tried to do it on their own and in their own power. Moses warned them, but they did not listen. And they were killed. And they were overcome by the people of the land. The Israelites' power came with the Lord's leading. In one of my old Bibles, I had marked, the two dudes were looking at God's promises. The two that were faithful. Yes, they saw the land. Yes, they saw the giants in the land. Yes, they saw the wall. But they knew God had promised and they were faithful. Adoniram Judson, who was one of the first Baptist missionaries, said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Sometimes, ladies, we look at the news and we are so overwhelmed and so fearful about the future. But we, as Christians, have the promises of God. They're great. They are mighty. And we can overcome. Let's be faithful. Caleb and Joshua knew God had promised. They could do it. But sadly, Joshua and Caleb had to reap the discipline of the Lord in the sense of wandering in the desert for 40 years. Moses had to do that too. Aaron had to do that too. But thankfully, Caleb and Joshua got to see the fulfillment of the promises that happened way, way back to Abraham. It is interesting that this section of the Bible is used many times in the New Testament, and it is always as a warning of what not to do. One of the things that Dr. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said with this lesson was, with sin and faithlessness, there is always loss. Not loss of salvation, but loss of blessings, loss of fellowship, and loss of opportunity. And I will add to that, sometimes there is loss of life. Ladies, are you experiencing loss due to sin and faithlessness? If yes, then let us repent and let's turn to the Lord. For another thing that we see in this passage is that he is a God who desires reconciliation. That is why he sent Jesus to be our mediator. Come to Jesus.
So ladies, if you hear his voice today, please don't harden your hearts like the Israelites. Let's be like Caleb and Joshua and obey. Until next time.